And we're back. I'm James. This is the Good Spam Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. No Luke tonight. Where do you think Luke is, James? Mm-hmm. Does it matter? No. No. Well, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy since we recorded last? Mm, usually playing Madden. Playing Madden. James is going to be better at me than Madden real quick. His uh, his instincts far exceed mine in the video game world. <laughs> How was flag football this year? Good. Good. Got a little cut short, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, last uh, game I saw, you ended it with an interception, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say to everybody? Mm, I might give scoreless for the Patriots plus the Jets. Who's winning right now? Mm. All right. I'm watching YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bud. And I'm losing in Madden. All right. Uh, but it's on, I'm online. It's rough. All right. So, Brent, uh, no Luke, but we're lucky enough tonight that um, Andrew, everybody's favorite backup running back, Schmidt, was willing to join us uh, and do a little pinch hitting here. And I'm going to say that if this pod, you know, ceased to exist after this episode and we leave no uh, – no further impact. The fact that I was able to stem um, Andrew's Twitter handle for going on a few months at this point, and it's still there, I see that as a success that can't be taken away. I think it's permanent now, Mike. <laughs> I think every every single time it gets updated, because it started out as everyone's favorite backup running back, and now it's still everyone's favorite backup running back, which is the last thing you said. So each time that it changes, I think I'll just update it for the, the longest ha- handle I can possibly have. And one that's probably the funniest. I think I've seen you getting some Twitter arguments too, or people you may, might not know or like asking you what the hell it even means. I think, it's, I think it's Bobcat fans. Okay. To tell you the truth, there's a particular guy who's a real hard on who like makes fun of me. Well, well let me rephrase that. He says I'm not his favorite backup running back, which obviously that's not true. <laughs> I mean, if, if he is jumping into my DMs like that, I clearly have sway over him, Steve. Yeah. This guy jumps into your DMs to tell you that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll he'll get in there. He's a weirdo, but again, cat fan. So Fair enough. Brent and I have a, a, a fairly consistent and uh, um, uh, impressive cat fan troll. We think he's all the, more, all the more airtime we're going to give him, though. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, it's good to be back, guys. Good to be talking a little bit of Grizz football here. And um, obviously, uh, you know, there's been a lot in the news of late, but we do have a potential spring schedule. And uh, so we thought it'd be good to get a pod together, get uh, Andrew on here so we could talk a little bit of Grizz football, talk a little bit about what we might be looking at, what, what an upcoming season might be and, and all those kind of fun things. So I think, I uh, say, yeah, go ahead. Bef- before we jump into, you know, the real stuff, Andrew, I just kind of want to get your impression of fall football in general. I mean, you know, some schools are playing, some aren't. Yeah. We're prepping for this spring schedule. We all kind of don't know what to think about it. it it's weird, right? Like, like the whole, the whole season's weird. And I don't think it really matters if there's a season in the fall or season in the spring. I, I don't think we're going to get the answer that we're looking for in terms of 
who the best team in the country is, uh, who are the four best teams. I mean, we don't, we don't really know. And I know usually I'm the guy here to bring in the comic relief aspect, but at a, at a turn to serious town, I have no idea about college football in general. I just, I just think it's weird. And we have tons of teams that aren't playing. Uh, before we got on here, we talked like Wisconsin's played one game. Um, before the Pac-12 even kicked off, two games got, got canceled. Yeah. LSU, Alabama, presumably off this week. Uh, I think Ole Miss or Mississippi State, one of them just got a game Mississippi canceled. Mississippi State, yep. it's, it's, I mean, I don't know who's – Clemson just lost without Trevor Lawrence. At the end, we're going to look at it and we're going to be like, oh, well, these teams successfully navigated COVID the best – or they got it early enough in the season. They just didn't forfeit games at the end, you know, like for the teams that started late, they have no wiggle room anymore. Like, I don't, I don't know what the PAC 12 is going to do if they can only play like three games. I don't see, I mean, I understand why the PAC 12 didn't start until later. And that's a whole separate conversation, but for the teams that have played a regular schedule, I don't see how they could put a PAC 12 team in the playoffs. I mean, how do you stack up those resumes? It's, it's just, this is like one of those water cooler seasons, kind of like when we had the BCS, you know? And we're all debating, well, maybe this team with one loss is better than this team with no losses and the computers ranked them. It's just a water cooler conversation. It's like that to the, to the nines this year. Like we, we have no idea, we, we have no clue. And I was telling Brent before, like, this could be the year that Wisconsin doesn't lose a big game. And we won't know because they don't have a quarterback, you know, like, and they don't have a team. They're, they've all got COVID. So, so one year Wisconsin my, my, has a QB that, can, that shows he can throw the ball. The year that they don't rely on 50 runs a game, like, <laughs> the season's canceled for him. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> it's – um. It's all defi- divine intervention, divine inf- intervention. This is the way it's supposed to be. Um, <clears throat> so we way. were watching the, the tail end of the Notre Dame-Clemson game on Saturday because my son, you know, big sports fan, obviously. And um, Stacy, my wife, goes, "What? what's wrong with Trevor Lawrence? And I said, oh, he got COVID, so he can't play. And she goes, but he can be on the sidelines? And I was like, oh, you're kidding me. And no, he's on the sidelines with a mask on. It's like yeah. – if the dude could be on the sidelines, why the hell can't he play? Like, what? what is the... <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think each and each conference has, like, different protocols for if you test positive. So, like, what was it? The ACC says you have to wait 10 days, like, between positive tests and being back. Yeah. Which is not, like, what... <laughs> Remember when Saban got COVID? Like he was back the next day. He was like, like, oh yeah, I'm here, baby. Like (laughs) air flying. It was like issue number one in Alabama. The state they were air flying his tests in the lab. We're just just making stuff up at this point. You know, the Big Ten. The Big Ten. It's three weeks. Yeah, after positive. Yeah. So again, back to Wisconsin. Like, when are they going to play again? I don't know. Like, say Wisconsin ends up three and zero. Yeah. Are they better than a team that played eight games? I don't know. I have, I have no idea. And this, this whole season, we we won't really get a – we'll have a crowned champion, but we, we don't know. I mean, it's kind of dumb at the end of the day. The fact that we're playing games in general is kind of dumb. 
for these kids, this unpaid workforce that we put out in harm's way to get COVID. Like that's another whole topic. And it's, it's kind of dumb, but here we are. And we'll have You're going to get us Twitter comments now. <laughs> hey man, as a former part of the unpaid workforce, I will always fight for labor. Um, I don't know. It brings up another issue. I don't know why people fight for management when they would never fight for management in their own job. Like who's on the side of their boss? And you're telling all these people like, hey, you should be on the side of the NCAA. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I always find it fascinating in professional sports when people side with the owners. It's like, in what world? Yeah, same thing. Same thing. I think it's because even the guys making the minimum are making, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. And, you know, average people are just like, Fuck that. They're getting paid 500 K to play a game. I yeah. go to my work and I, you know, do this and, da, 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 and it's like, and I can't say I blame them, but it's just like, you got to sit there and think the owners are raking it in even more. If they're making 500 K, what's the owner making? Yeah. You know, I don't know why you would ever side with your boss on any kind of argument when you wouldn't want to be treated that way in your situation. But here we are. America. On this note, I'm never going to invite you to speak to my employees. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the other thing that Britt and I have talked about a little bit that, that is kind of interesting in this whole thing is the NCAA just granted this blanket extra year of eligibility. So all these guys playing, even with full seasons, right? Right. Theory can come back. You yeah. could theoretically have, what's the quarterback for Pitt? Uh, Pickett? Mm-hmm. He could be back for his 12th year. We don't know, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the whole blanket year of eligibility is weird. Um, it creates a lot of uncertainty from an, from an agent perspective. Like we're out here recruiting players and we have no idea if they're coming out. You know, they, they could come out, they could not, they could go back to school. Um, you don't really know. And it creates this, this weird dynamic with the spring, especially for, for FCS players. On You have no idea if they're, this matters to them if it's, it's a, I'm sure it matters to them. Like everyone's playing for pride in, in college sports, but at the end of the day, it's like, Hey, we've got fall. We've got the real season coming up. So the, the, the extra year of eligibility is just a, a weird, a weird wrinkle that not only like guys with extra, uh, uh, extra eligibility for next year, but think about the schools who have an extra recruiting class come in that now they have under scholarship and the cost that that, takes like these guys um these schools i i don't know if there's pressure on players to to graduate or to leave if they can or what they're going to do because uh it's a true story uh back when i was after our junior season was over we were rising seniors we started winter conditioning and after the first day of winter conditioning one of the coaches brought us up and they said you know, the whole spiel of you guys are the leaders of this team now. Um, and we want you to put in the pride and tradition of the Grizzlies and make sure that everyone works what they need to be and, and, and be leaders for us. And by the way, we want all of you guys to graduate in the fall, as many as possible, so that you're not on scholarship an extra semester. So we can use that scholarship money to give to other players, like coming in. Uh, that right there that they told us you know, that was 2008. 
I wonder what financial strain universities are going to be on with an extra class, like blanket eligible from the NCAA. Um, programs without money are, are going to be in a bind. And I don't know what they're going to do with their players. Well, it's interesting because um, um, Sentinel High School in Missoula is, as far as Montana teams go right now, is having a great season. They're undefeated. They're in the playoffs. And I was picking um, the brains of one of our loyal listeners who's been paying attention to him. It's like, all right, who's who who are Bobby and the Grizz looking at and stuff like that? And he said, I mean, they've obviously made some offers and stuff like that, but that it seems like across the landscape, they've made less even even preferred walk-on type offers than we otherwise would at this point. And their best guess is they don't, they worry about not having the spots. Well, yeah. And the amount of people that are invited to camp, I think they cut down that number of the amount of people uh, invited. I think it used to be a hundred, but to COVID, I think they knocked it down um, uh, at least for the big schools. So I, I, I have no idea what they're going to do. Uh, like Montana is in a, a, a stronger financial position than most universities at their level. Uh, I don't know what, places like Eastern Washington are going to do. I mean, not to shit on Eastern Washington, but they've been in trouble for a while. And having this happen to them, where all of a sudden you don't have a gate, you don't have teams, you don't have a season, and you have an extra recruiting class that you're going to have to maybe offer scholarships to, I I guess maybe you don't recruit. I, I don't know. I, I think it's a it's another wrinkle. It's another thing that we don't know the answer to that'll all play out in real time. And we're going to figure it out uh, together basically as, as the months pass. I think the other thing you look at too, right. Is we hear this over and over and over from coaches is that scholarships are a a one-year commitment. So will there be something where, you know, they pick four or five, six, seven guys at the end of this weird spring and say, thanks for your commitment guys. And, See you later. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Hard to, I mean, you know, I mean, you wouldn't do that to like one of your. It's just tough to say. Yeah. No, Brent. I mean, you, you, I think we all would hope not, and right. maybe the Grizz are lucky enough to do not to do it. But it's like you all know that every year there's a handful of seniors that are they've busted their ass and they're they're on there because they were good people and good teammates, not necessarily because their talent level carried them all the way up and it's like are those people going there are they just gonna have to be like guys we don't have room for you i i think i i mentioned the story on on twitter a few times um at h metacular for all you guys listening um there was a guy on in my class who uh we all thought that he faked his recruiting tape uh because he was so bad he was just so bad and we all were, were looking around like, how the hell did he get here on the Grizzlies? Well, the coaches certainly found that out from early on. And they ground his dick in the dirt every day to try to make him quit. And he wouldn't quit because he's got free school. So <laughs> eventually they're like, okay, fine, fine, fine. We can't make you quit. Uh, you just have to graduate in three years, which he did uh, to his credit. And he ended up winning. Um, Kevin, you won. You, you beat those, those coaches, but it leads me to what you're talking about. I wonder if that's somewhat a similar situation that we're going to be in with a lot more than one mistake on a recruiting class. Yeah. You know, I don't know if they're going to take a bunch of guys that were bad and just be like, Hey, 
we're not going to uh, uh, cut you, but if you want to go up to the M every morning, I'm not saying Bobby would do that, but I'm saying that like that, I don't know what you do in that situation. Like I, I, you got, they, if they can't afford it, they can't afford it. They either got to bring in guys that they were recruiting that they offered scholarships to, uh, or they got to drop those offers, you know, or they got to cut guys. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a unknown financial situation. And unless Montana's gearing up to pick up even more debt, I, I don't know what they're going to do there. Add in the wrink, add in the wrinkle too of the one-time transfer rule. Right. So yeah. what is that? Is it, is it May 1st? That if a player is going to take a one-time transfer with no penalty, they need to notify their team. It's, it, it's yeah. someday in the spring. Yeah, there's that unknown as well too that you can't plan for now. Which, which is weird because say say you're uh, a good player at an FCS school, and you have that that transfer ability, and some you you get approached or you find out that hey Wazoo will pick you up. Yeah, do you just skip this spring because you get a blanket extra year? Yes. Yes. You absolutely. You absolutely, absolutely skip this spring. Yeah, absolutely. You don't come back for the fall. So uh, it, there's a whole lot of flux in here. And like, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I don't know what's going to happen um, from a, it, from people going pro, like an agent perspective to a college football perspective, NFL perspective. I, I do not know. It, it's, it's a strange time, but we're going to all figure it out together. So you said one other thing, and <clears throat> I should point out, I mean, I'm, we've had Andrew on before, and most of our listeners probably know this, but you're in your real world life, you're an NFL agent, or you're an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned one thing about recruiting clients. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? What are the rules by which you can talk to players and contact them? And what, what are your guidelines, just out of curiosity? Yeah, so the rules are, like, you can talk from any time. Uh, with a with a player you know depending on the agents are a little more classy about it than others Uh, but you can talk to them at any time you just can't offer anything of value to a player at any point until they're done with their uh, career basically their eligibility has expired if you do offer them something and they accept it they're cut off right their their eligibility is done so how you go about it is you you know have contacts or someone that you know, uh, you get in touch with them and that's how you end up start talking to them about uh, their future and seeing if they're interested in uh, being represented by you. And you kind of go through that process with them and it all in the, the end of the day depends on the fit of, of the agent and the player basically. But uh, that's how you kind of get, get started in it. And you know, today you don't know whether or not the guy that you've been investing a year or two in is going to end up wanting to go pro here in December or at the end of spring. Yeah. We, we don't know. They, they could end up staying another year. And a lot of these guys that you saw like at Ohio state or Purdue or whatever, they said they were foregoing their eligibility, signed with an agent and then found that they can come back, fire their agent and then got back to school because they didn't accept anything of value allegedly. Um, <laughs> Which that's an, that's another conversation. I tell you right now that uh, players accepting anything of value is a is a loose term, and at big schools, uh, it, it it's a quite substantial investment that these uh, uh, people around the university invest in their players. Well, 
I know um, when the Grizzlies are, you know, in the national championship game off of this six, uh, six game spring season, <laughs> we're going to have to make sure you're not handing out cash on the uh, sidelines. Yeah. Uh, because I've, I've learned in the last couple of weeks that you can't do that. Yeah. Well, I'm not Odell Beckham. <laughs> um, and I, I think it would be really funny if these players just took the cash and they're like, by the way, I'm staying another year. I mean, jokes on me at that point, right? <laughs> by the way, if the NFL or NCAA is listening, I am joking here. Okay. God, I have a mortgage to pay. I'm not a maniac here. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, obviously, the Big Sky released the spring schedule and um, <clears throat> six games, three home, three away. Yep. Starts, what is it, Brent, last week in February? Yeah, February. It starts February 27th, and the way they kind of set it up is that February game is either – the home team is either a warm-weather team or a dome team. Uh, and then as you move into March, the more northern climate teams are able to have home games. So they set it up so you start in warmer or more temperate spots. Well, the Grizz are at Eastern in week two, so yeah. – um, <laughs> Ooh, that's going to be windy. Yeah, Cheney, Washington in early March is very wonderful. I was going to say, I've been there for a basketball game once. Oof. No, thank you. Um, have you looked at those schedules very much? Who do you, how do you, how do you think the Grizz fare as far as toughness of schedule? You know, yeah, I, I took a little look at it. I mean, so, our, and it's interesting the way they set this up because when you play three and then there's a week off, and then you play three more and there's another week off. And that was done by design in case there's a COVID cancellation that the week off then turns into a makeup week, Um, which some of this, you know, if you look at this, like, I mean, for example, uh, our two road games in the first stretch, the first one's at NAU. If for some reason week one gets canceled, having to quickly rebook up, you know, getting down to Flagstaff, Arizona, I mean, obviously doable, but financially it could be a challenge, you know. So, but I mean, yeah, Grizz go at Northern, and then we go to Eastern, and then we host Cal Poly, and we get a break. Then we host the Cats, so we don't even play the Cats at the end of our schedule. Uh, we go to the Idaho Vandals, and then we host Portland State, and that's that's that. Um, so it's I don't know, it's an interesting schedule. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things I really don't like about this setup in general. I think Eastern Washington is going to be really good because they return a shit ton of talent. Um, and probably the was, – wasn't Barrier voted conference MVP before it started? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but, I mean, the Cats are cats are rolling. And they've, they've got a really well-built roster. And, I mean, that's two games there that are tough. One's on the road and early. And you just look at – the other thing, too, is uh, – and. Um, It'd be interesting to hear your perspective, Andrew, because like, you know, February, you're, do- you're doing winter conditioning and stuff. But, you know, we open at NAU. NAU can practice outside. Well, Flagstaff, I mean, you can practice in your dome. You can just full- be pro- fully prepared for the game condition you're going to play in. For the Grizz, February in Montana, I mean, it's going to be – It's. I don't know how you prep for similar conditions. Yeah, you- you're going to have to practice in Wagres and – put the lights on, you know, yeah. like I, I, it's, it's going to be tough. Uh, those, those winter condo, I mean, it's kind of the same, 
as weird as it sounds, kind of the same schedule that you would have if you were having winter condo and spring ball. Like by the time March rolls around, winter condo is over and you're into the two weeks of spring ball, one week for spring break, another two weeks of spring ball. It's like a five week period. So it's kind of the same. And spring ball, usually the weather is pretty decent enough. Um, You know, hit or miss some days it blizzards, you know, Um, but you would only do two days on one day off in in, in spring ball where you're going to have a full season here. So I I don't know. I mean, you could have some surprise for weather. Um, I think the cat game game four is kind of interesting. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that game didn't used to be the last game of the schedule every year. It wasn't until like the two thousands where that started being the North. We used to play Idaho after them every year. Um, uh, at least that's what the posters we'd always notice that on the posters on the wall with the schedule and the Adam center, when you're walking down to the locker room, we'd look at it and be like, why would we play Idaho after the cats? Um, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, the thing is, is everyone's in the same boat, you know, at least in terms of, uh, the, the schedule being what it is. I mean, being able to practice those NAU, those teams, you know, Sac State may have a little bit of an advantage because they can practice more. No, not Sac State. They uh, opted out. Oh, did they? Sac State. There we go. Well, <laughs> screw them. Who needs Sac State? <laughs> they should opt out of the conference in general. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry. They lost, really. their, they lost their 30-year-old 30 30 quarterback, and so they just decided we're, we're done. Here. But you know what? He's got another eligibility, so he'll probably transfer back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or some somewhere else. Maybe Washington but needs a QB. I don't know. I do That's where think, he is. I do. Yeah, Washington. Hey, there we go. <laughs> I do think it's interesting. Um, we don't know what these rosters are going to look like in the spring because the the point Andrew made. It's like yeah. if if a great player catches wind that hey, we'll take you. Why would they play the spring? And it's like the one who jumps right into my mind is Eric Berrier. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. You could you could see with with the ability to transfer, you could see an FBS program kind of being like, I mean, like, come on, if you could go play quarterback for a year on a good Mountain West team, much less, you know, Pac-12 or whatever, you'd do it. So I, you know, I made you this, could see the yeah. same thing for some of our receivers. I'm just putting yeah. it out there. I made this comment to you guys before we started here, but if if you have a combine invite or a senior bowl invite uh if i were you i would not i would go pro like i would not play in the spring season at all uh the reason why is that the the senior bowl aims to select like what 60 some guys that will be drafted okay the combine tries to get as many people that will be drafted as possible now, Shrine Game and the NFLPA Bowl and whatever all-star games are left, they don't really get many people that are drafted. They get some, some guys make it. But if you get one of those, there's a high indicator that you're going to be drafted, okay? Yeah. Why would you ever go back to an FCS program if you are going to the NFL now? No. You wouldn't do it. So any player who receives that. And if you're, you're listening to this podcast now, I would tell you that it is in your best interest to go pro. If that is what they're offering, you got to look out for you and your family and get the money while you can, because your NFL, your football career is very short. 
However, if you are outside of those players, we get into another group of, are you good enough to be drafted next year? Why would you play in the spring? If you get to go come back in the fall and have a full season and full stats and a full like season of tape that scouts can watch you. I don't know why you would play in the spring and I hope Bobby's not listening to this and thinking that I'm, I'm trying to tell his team not to play in the spring. Uh, and I doubt they listen to me anyway. But at the end of the day, it, it kind of makes no sense for good players to have a spring season. And once we get past that fact, then we start talking about, well, what does the spring season mean at all? Yeah. You know, what, 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 what does it mean? Like Trey Lance is gone. Like, so NDSU is like auditioning guys like our, so, so whoever wins this year, it's not really going to be a real spring championship. Like the, the best team with the best player just left. Right. Yep. I, how many more teams are going to be like that? Like, what, what are we playing for at the end of the day? Like bragging rights, it's probably makes more sense just to have it in the fall, give everyone that year, you know, and, and treat this as spring ball. Cause that's kind of what it is. I was going to say, it's just like a much more competitive spring ball. Yeah. Like, you're playing against other schools, but that's essentially what it is because you don't lose any seniors. I mean, if anybody even gets slightly injured, they're gonna they're gonna be like, nope, we're gonna hold you out, you know, just take care of yourself. And you know, with the eligibility rule, I guess what it means is they can play anybody they want. I mean, they don't have to worry about red shirts, they don't have to worry, I mean, right? Because if right. they all get to come back. They could have a whole game where they play all of their true freshmen and their freshmen and their sophomores, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, all these guys that came in this last year and then didn't have a season and that were planning on redshirting could play this whole year, you know, play the whole spring. And you get a good idea of who these guys are. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's more of a showcase for guys like that. Um, there'll be stars that are made, but. I, I just don't see, as someone who sees how the sausage is made in this business, mm-hmm. I just don't see how great players will want to be involved in it unless they're just like hyper-competitive people, you know, that want to be out there for their, for their teammates. But at the end of the day, I, I think it's kind of not smart financially for them for their future. Yeah. Well, I'm still not completely convinced that Sac State won't be the only big sky school to not play. Yeah. Kind of depends on what happens with COVID, right? Yeah. And I think that if the Big Sky Conference said your fall 2020 schedule becomes your fall 2021 schedule, so it doesn't mess with rivalries like UM, Montana State, I I bet you could see a lot of these schools just saying, nope, we're good. Because at this point, it's so weird, but we'd be almost done with the season. Yeah. You know, and it just, it, not having football in the fall made summer just feel like it stretched on mm-hmm. so much longer. It was interesting. Well, we would be what two weeks from Cat Grizz? Yeah, yeah, or one week. We started like a week early or this year. It was something. Yeah, strange. I mean it. It's strange that we're in this point, but here we are. Hmm. Um, and I don't know. I, I think it depends on the on the team. I think it depends on the coach. I think it depends on how competitive people want to be, but at the end of the day, it doesn't make a ton of sense. And I'm not trying to throw cold water on all the Grizz fans out there, but I mean, what are, what are we doing here? You know, like it, it, forget COVID and, and the risks it has associated with this unpaid labor force. 
Okay. At the end of the day, we're not going to have the best players enough games, you know, the, a, a full season for us to determine who our champion is. And I think at the end of the day, it's kind of weird and doesn't make a ton of sense. And that's, that's coming from a guy who played and is ultra competitive. I just, if I were in that situation, I'd be like, you know, fuck this. I want to play in the fall. Now they do. There is a playoff system that they have implemented, but it's bullshit. But yeah. it's, it's garbage. It's terrible. I mean, I'm not, I, yeah, they they lowered the teams to sixteen, but they kept all the flowery auto bids for these terrible conferences. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like the big sky level. might get one extra, like yeah, sixteen. I mean, like when I played. Like we yeah, had 16 was, teams, but we, we didn't have all those at larges or yeah. maybe we did, but there weren't like tie-ins. the same amount. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fine. You, you have a playoff. Okay. Um, but it, kind of equate this to any other league or any other sport. If the top 10 players at each position of the NFL weren't playing and they had their playoffs, would you be like, okay, we figured it out a champion like yeah you had a playoffs and you figured something out some a team emerged and they won but do we know exactly if that was the best team it's kind of a poor way to determine a champion at at this point because it's just there's too many moving parts we just don't know um and that's fine you can have bragging rights and you can say like hey we we have a champion here it's you know Cincinnati, like, what if Cincinnati wins the national championship? Gets in, like, it was, like, hey, the year Cincinnati won, and then we look back and like, oh yeah, that's the year that Ohio State and Wisconsin played two games. You know, um, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. And I guess it's fun and all, we get a little distraction in jazz hands, but it doesn't mean much. I, you know, um, Bobby Houck said at one of the QB clubs this fall. Um, which QB clubs are great. Gogros.com slash QB club. It's worth it. There's our first pitch. Um, he said that if, if they can't have fans in the stands, he doesn't want to do it. And of course he was talking to fans. So it's like, I'm not saying that he actually won't play if they don't get to have fans, but I mean, Brent, you live in Missoula too. The odds of the health department of the city of Missoula allowing there to be any fans beyond a small amount seems very unlikely to me. So, Mike, I'll, I'll add in. So, I, uh, my, I, I, as the official, one of the official realtors of Grizzly football, uh, oh, we had regular meetings with, uh, with Learfield. You were in a frat too. You're used to paying for your friends. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, shit. Um, we had a, we, they gave us a little overview of the plan and it's 6,000 to 8,000 fans in the stadium um, is the max that the health department would be able to let them allow for the time being. But uh, th- there's, we could move on a different political thread as well too, but there was a pretty substantial election and some change of powers where I think I would wonder if health department rules might not be as enforceable in the spring, but I still would think and hope that the university of Montana would be, uh, you know, um, wise to be smart and safe with the decision so i mean you're looking at a quarter of the fans and i mean is that even financially viable which which means does that apply for every team like or do they have their own plans for each because no, a, yeah. a quarter of a fan means uh fans means 100 fans at eastern washington 
<laughs> no, I, I, I would. God, I hate Eastern Washington. Screw those guys. So uh, I will say that uh, also, uh, Mike, that uh, LeBron James said he wasn't going to play if there weren't fans either. And look what happened. Yeah, good point. LeBron so, James got paid a little bit more money. <laughs> no, Bobby's a Bobby's a competitor, and he's gonna he's gonna want to win every game. He's gonna want to kick people's ass. And if there's a competition, whether it's tic tac toe or a spring football game, he's gonna want to play it, no matter what the circumstances are. So you know, I I think they'll do what they can. I just don't know what the roster is gonna be. I don't know if there's gonna be outbreak of COVID and it knocks out half the team. I I, I don't know any of these situations. So. Um, who knows if there's fans not he'll want to play I'm sure games will happen I just yeah I don't know what they'll look like in any form or fashion I'd heard an interesting take that the Grizz might play better on the road because they'll be used to playing in a more neutral fan environment more often (laughs) yeah well I I don't know like Andrew do you ever feel like when you guys were on the road you just played shittier because there wasn't a bunch of people cheering for you when you scored touchdowns no no no. (laughs) see it like this is kind of why I said what I said uh our goal every game was just to kick the living shit out of the other team um it really didn't matter what the score was uh this was trained into us by the coaches that you're going to like beat them to death for 60 minutes. And at the end of 60, you know, we're going to pull you guys off of them and we'll see what the score says. Like they would say stuff kind of in that vein all the time. Mm-hmm. So our goal, whether it was at, you know, Eastern and their 10 fans, or it was at Northern Colorado who had more fans. Um, it just kind of depended. Uh, it didn't depend on like anything else besides the team in front of us. And we would, just try to destroy them. So like, I don't think fans matters for the Grizz. They, they have a tradition and a standard to uphold like most any good teams do. Yep. All right. We'll have to tell our friend Coulter that. <laughs> oh, does, <laughs> does he have somewhat <laughs> similar feelings or what? No, 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 no. Uh, Coulter Nuanas with uh, Tutel Nuanas and ESPN Missoula. Oh, well aware. I'm a fan of their, I'm a friend oh. of their show as well. Yeah, great pod. But I, I think he was the one who shared with me, like, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll be more even. They'll play better on the road because they won't be all hyped up from the fans. I just oh, think poor Coulter's had to me. come up with content five days a week for the last nine months. Holy shit. Half of that with nothing oh locally happening. I, I love Coulter. He's a great friend. We went to school oh, yeah. together. Um, but yeah, I think you're kind of, kind of fishing there. And I would debate <laughs> with him on that. Uh, I was actually at a <laughs> another funny story for a pod. I was at a bar here in Colorado uh, a few years ago, and I was meeting up with a friend, uh, and he had a bunch of uh, mutual friends who all played at Northern Colorado, and uh, <laughs> there was like four or five of them all former football players in Northern Colorado and we're all the same age. So I had played against them and it was funny because they went up to me like I was some sort of unicorn and they're like, Oh my gosh, we have so many questions to ask you. And I was like, yeah, like, like what? And the first guy said, uh, did you guys just know as soon as you got off the bus that you were going to kick the shit out of us? And I just started laughing and I was like, yeah, kind of like you guys sucked. 
Um, we knew that going in. We knew that it was going to be a fun game for us. But uh, yeah, it didn't stop the what we were trying to do. We were trying to execute the game plan. But yeah, we knew we were going to kick the shit out of you. You're, you're Northern Colorado. I mean, who goes to Greeley? It smells like ass. Oh, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, when you were talking about how much you hate Eastern, we do too, but uh, you, we've made friends with some of their podcasters. So it's like now you've got this thing where it's like you've got good guys, you know, and you're like, yeah, I still hate them. We don't yeah. know any Northern Colorado people. So, no, we do. No one does. Oh, we, we do. do. That's no, right. Aaron. Yeah, Aaron Rath. Yeah. So. And they are convinced that Eddie McCaffrey is a ma- magician who is going to instantly mm-hmm. make them and their 17 transfers win the big sky this spring. Is he going to play? <laughs> No, it, it, or his son's transfer. No, they're still going to suck. No one goes to – I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to throw so many hot takes. By the way, I, I light my fireplace with all my hot takes in the morning every morning. Um, anyway, the, the, they suck, and, and I think they'll be okay. But at the end of the day, I don't think you can convince enough good players to go there. You know, it's Greeley. I mean, Speaking big sky. I, live, I live here. I mean, it's like no one goes to Greeley for anything unless you work in the packing industry. Um, it's just your cell is to come here, sleep in a place covered in cow farts, and you can go to Denver very easily. Like, that's not a, a pitch. Like, I don't know how you sell that to players. So you can get as many transfers as you want. You might have success one year. It's not going to be sustained. Uh, <laughs> you know, on, uh, other new coach news, Cal Poly has a new coach uh, who I think he was head coach, Andrew, when you played, right? Uh, Bo Baldwin at Eastern Washington? Bo, yeah. Yeah. So I looked at his coaching staff, and it's like half his – Eric Meyer, Nick Edward, mm-hmm. Paul Wolf, J.C. Sherrod. Mm-hmm. amongst others i mean it's like he just brought in a whole bunch of his old buddies from eastern yeah but uh they're our third team on the schedule and they're not gonna do the whatever the hell you want to call that old offense that they ran though no Bo's a good coach um yeah, yeah. i was i was very surprised at what he did um because there was a kind of inside story but uh, when he was at Eastern, he was trying to get Coach Ty and other guys to come yeah. over there, and then he ended up just leaving, right? He ended up going to Cal to be the offensive coordinator at Cal. Um, and then he's there with uh, – what's his name there at Cal, who was the Boise State um, – I don't remember his name. Rolovich? Rolovich? Or, no, 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 wrong guy. Yeah, no, I'll remember it when you say it. Uh, anyway – he was uh, there with them and he was doing a good job with Cal's offense. And I thought that he might be in line to get a coaching opportunity at the FBS level, but instead we all thought it was going to be a stepping stone to the next head coaching job in an FBS level is what that job was. And he went back down to the big sky, which, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think like Polly, that campus is beautiful. Um, it's in the middle of nowhere, but I mean, it's, it's gorgeous and Pismo beach is right there and it's, uh, it's great, but it seems like a strange move. It'll be interesting to see what he can do. I mean, he legitimately does not have a quarterback, uh, that can pass. Uh, 
a quick Google search does suggest he's maybe making around $220,000. Not what he was making at Cal. I I think he was making about 600 at Cal. So again, a curious decision. And Jay uh, Wilcox is the head coach at Cal. Um, uh, I told you I'd remember that. Uh, Maybe he had a falling out there. I don't know. I, I didn't hear anything of that. I just thought it was a strange move back down where you're getting less pay. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's the area, the itch to be a head coach again, but it was, it was definitely interesting. So the whole rumor mill of him wanting the job at Montana, when was it when stick got hired? Brink? Wow. Yeah. I mean, at the time I kind of didn't believe it, but since then I actually, believe it a hundred percent and feel like, how did we mess that up? Just throw that out there. You don't have to answer. The rumor was, of course, was that a now retired ish Missoulian reporter kept pressing for information with a donor, got the name, published it. And then at that point, Baldwin was still, I think in the midst of coaching a playoff run. Right. And said, I'm out. Don't talk to me anymore. I'm done. And that's that was the the rumored um, progression of how that went. Interesting. From representing uh, coaches as well, I find like the whole dynamic of politics um, interesting. Like I, th- I think I told you guys this off the air one time, or maybe I I put it on Twitter, but Bobby was going to be the head coach at Northern Arizona, or at least it was gathering a lot of steam. Um, and then the athletic director there left to go to like UTEP or Tulsa or something like that. Um, and then Sowers, like they didn't want to get rid of Sowers. So Sowers comes back, that job gets pulled. That gives Bobby a chance to go to like leave San Diego state and go to Montana. Like if that would have done, you know, a couple months before that hire, we might be in a different situation. Bobby could be at NAU, which would be just crazy. Be weird. Same Blue and yellow. <laughs> there, yeah, I, man, yeah, it's. Uh, but this, you know, getting back on the spring season, what we got. I mean, a little tangent, didn't we? We got a little into the weeds there. We, we did, didn't we? You know, <laughs> I mean, might have to, might have to ed- edit that or hire someone to. Ah. Shit, we kind of got out there. I think our Grizz fan pod loyals that know we usually start rambling off on weird topics are probably just enjoying that we're talking about Grizz related football stuff once again. Um, you know, the other thing that I thought would be that that's the little bit of the wild card about this season, you know, you play three, you got a week off, you play three. And of course, so then in theory, if you don't have to do a makeup in that week four for Grizz and cats, you have two weeks to prep. But what, you know, one of your teams, like, say, the Grizz, you have to do a makeup. Uh, you don't have that extra that extra rest week headed into the rivalry game. I mean, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, it, it, this can be Yeah, it, it be good or bad for that yeah, rest true. versus rust. I, I don't know. Um, I made that comment, like, after the Cat Grizz this last year. Uh, where I said, and I didn't mean to be putting down cats. I kind of, it was a compliment of sorts, but I said that they, they were built for one thing specifically. And then if success comes after that, uh, then fine, that's gravy. But they were built to beat the Grizzlies. They absolutely are. And they're built to run the ball. 
right down someone's throat and they're there to attack the offensive line, the defensive scheme of the Grizzlies. And it reminded me of uh, Ole Miss in Alabama uh, before Kiffin got there. I mean, Ole Miss, all they cared about was beating Bama. And it's not apples and apples here, but it's kind of the same, kind of the same game plan. And now off of that success, they've been able to fill around a bunch of skill position players where that's a, that's a good ball club. So it's going to be interesting to see with the roster makeup, um, the coaches involved fans in the stands, what that game looks like, because it's, it's going to be strange. Like everything this spring. Yep. Yep. Well, and so, and you know, so we've got, we've got six games. Uh, Other FCS teams have eight because of course, if you're playing in Texas or you're playing on the East Coast or, or somewhere, uh, you can start a season in February and it's not as tough. So again, yeah, I think there's the whole aspect of, you know, whatever this weird little playoff might look like if it comes to, um, I think you've got to probably go win the conference or be the second place team in it. And if you drop two games, unless if that's enough to win the conference, which that'd be kind of funny if we had like five teams that finished four and two, um, you're not going these weird little playoffs that they have either. Just, I don't see it's going to be, it's because there's only five at large out of 16 teams. So, you know, what's interesting that we haven't talked about as well is that we, we haven't seen this with other sports because every other sport, once they get to the playoffs have decided to do as of now a bubble format, right? NHL bubble format, NBA bubble format, uh, MLB went to a bubble format as soon as the playoffs started. What happens if the playoffs start and the team gets uh, an outbreak? Like, wait, what are we going to do then? Like, we're not going to reschedule the playoffs. That team just forfeit, like, and your season's over because you didn't manage COVID effectively. Yep. Yeah, it's, I mean, yep. As <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like, what if that happens to the number one team in the nation at at that point? I mean, we're we're inviting an asterisk onto all of this stuff. And at the end of the day, like I've been hammering home, it, it it's going to be weird. It's not going to make, make a lot of sense. Yeah, Eakin is the 16th seed and then all our 15 teams get COVID and have to cancel and we hoist the trophy. We are the COVID, the non-COVID champion of the FC. It's going to be like BYU winning the title in 84 and everyone's looking around like, What? Like now you're like looking back at like 2020, like how the hell did that happen? Oh man. Well, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. You know, Andrew, the other thing I wanted to ask you is just like the thought of, so, you know, you having, having played um, the, like what two seasons in one year, like, is this, is that even a pot? Obviously it's possible, but I just think about the toll it would take on, 18 to 22 23 year old kids like i mean i know spring camp is physically demanding but i think that that uh, practice six games possibly playoffs and then going to play another 11 game season in three months later is a different level of physical taxation what you know the physical taxation it's like it's not like these kids are gonna get tired you know it's not like they're going to want to not want to compete or it's going to hurt too much. What I worry about is the strength and conditioning program um, and avoiding injuries. Okay. Because you work 
the entire year for that fall season, strength training wise. Okay. You lift heavy, you get into shape where you can take a beating. All right. I, it, it, when it comes to the fall, you taper off the heavy lifting, right. And you're more worried about pliability and being able to get out there each and every week and running out soreness and still lifting and maintaining strength, but you're not setting PR strength records in the fall, right? You do that in the spring. And so if you are bifurcating that, I, it, it makes me wonder how much strength training you can do in that period of time to prevent injuries for the next season. Yeah. So I, I think you'll see like, Hey, spring will be fine. Uh, like there's strength training right now, gearing up for it, but then you're going to have this short period. Um, I don't know if they're going to lift heavy in the spring. That's probably like a, a bad idea, but I don't know. You'd have to talk to a strength coach, like get, get Gerber or failure on here to talk about that. Like, I don't know that it's just, I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you plan for that. Yeah. And I, it puts a big old speed bump into what your training program would be because you, you get back for winter condo and you're conditioning and you were lifting heavy into the point in the summer when you're setting records, like your PRs for all of your lifts, um, all of your stats, like all of your, high jump, L drill, all that stuff wants to be the absolute max come the summer. And if you take out that middle section, I don't know how prepared they're going to be next summer when it comes to the fall. And that's when you start worrying about labrum tears and, you know, stuff like that, where these guys are going to get a hit really hard. And this is a violent game with heavy people uh, with a lot of mass on them. And if you don't have the strength to back that up, you're, you're going to get a lot of injuries. And that's concerning. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's another like interesting point too. You go through the spring season, you're going to have injuries. It's part of the game. Um, being able to be at full strength come the fall. I mean, you're going to have guys that are probably unfortunately going to get hurt in the spring that are on the shelf until fall of 22, I guess, effectively. So yeah. What yeah. An, a- an ACL is still nine months, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, a labrum's about 12 months, uh, Achilles about 12 months, you know, you can have a meniscus depends if you get repaired or cut out, but that, that can be anywhere from a few weeks to four months. It's just like, if you have that in the spring, it's going to affect the fall. Definitely. The more we sit and talk about this, the more I just (laughs) don't, I mean, I guess the, the, the lower my belief that it's actually going to happen becomes. Yeah. Well, I, I talked about, we're just talking about the players, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I said this on Twitter at the beginning, like one's testing. Testing is expensive. I don't know if these big sky schools got the programs that like the, the big conferences did where they can do tests for $20, you know, and they can test every day, uh, $20 a test. I, I don't know if they're still doing the tests that are a hundred bucks a person and teams can afford it. You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, it, it's a, it's a strange position we're in, but also like the liability involved in the universities for having a season in the first place. I said this on Twitter and it got a lot of response. It, it's like, if, what if, what if a kid dies and, and you know, the risk, and I know the risks are relatively low, kind of like the risk of dying on the field is relatively low, but this is something that you had the opportunity to go through and, and do a risk analysis on and decided to have the season anyway. And 
if I were an attorney, well, I am an attorney, but if I were an attorney for any of these players, say, say one of them died and their family uh, asked me to represent, oh my God, I would sue everyone involved. I'd sue the school. I'd sue the administrators. I'd sue the coaches and the training staff. I would, I would go after absolutely everyone because you guys knew that this has killed now 240,000 Americans mm. and the risk of it of killing a kid is relatively small. But at the same time, if that happens as a school, you're fucked. So it's probably best, like the news just came out today, that there's a, there's a vaccine on the way, hopefully, you know, uh, that won't get distributed for a long time. And there's a lot of problems with distribution, has to be cold stored, you have to take two doses, like it, there's, there's a lot of issues. And by the time we finally get it, maybe it'll be the spring. But doesn't it make more sense than just move this to the fall? Yeah, it seems like it. Andrew, would you sue fan base podcasts in that? <laughs> Not this one. <laughs> uh, like everyone seemed to be pushing to a return. Like, hey, we need to get back to football. And it's like, do we? Like, yeah, I understand. Like, I'm I'm probably a, a bigger football fan than most of you guys out there, but we probably don't at, at this moment in time. And that's kind of the cold reality. And I know I'm being a Debbie Downer here, but I mean, if a vaccine's coming and we're close, it probably makes sense to just, just pack it in and get ready for the fall. I mean, there's no sense in doing a six game season in the spring when everything's telling you that this is probably a bad idea. Yeah. It feels like, it seems like for a lot of people like football, especially with the course we've been on with COVID football really felt like the big chance to like have a societal return to normalcy of some sort. So people really seem to want to push for give me football back. Cause that's going to be the biggest amount of back to normal that I can feel or something. I don't know. Um, you fan I, of the wire. <laughs> what's that? You a fan of The Wire? You know what? I, people have asked me. I have not watched. I watched the first season or the first episode like a month ago. And it's like, you know, it's like 15 years old now. So it was a little tricky to, to follow. It, follow it was, the money, Brent. Follow the money. Oh, yeah. The reason why we're having these games in the first place is because schools need the money yeah. wherever they can. Now, less so with... FCS teams that have no TV deals that only make money off of the gate. Okay. Yeah. But the, the big 10 needs the TV money, right? The NBA needs the TV money, you know, MLB needed the TV money. And the only way to get that money is to play the games. So that's why they're playing. Yeah. It's so that the universities can get the money from that and minimize losses as much as possible. It doesn't yeah, make does it make sense to have the game in the, in the spring? If you don't like, I'm pretty positive that no big sky school makes money off the TV deal. I don't think they get anything. I think they Pluto get, just like lets them have games on. So it's uh yeah. Root sports has the rights for the broadcast. And, you know, as told to me, the, the money that comes from it is next to nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, if you need the gate and they're only allowing 6,000, fans for three games don't you just file an insurance claim 
<laughs> you know, like, I don't know. It's at this point, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why they're doing it for this level. It's tough to say. Man, I just I just came in here and like handed you guys a dead fish. Like just shat, saying, shat on your entire podcast. I can <laughs> hope that we're uh, like we're like hey, don't pin this Chris on Britt and I who they already criticize. <laughs> yeah. By the way, let's have a former Grizz running back to talk about this season and shit on it for an hour. We're we're like an hour in. Oh God! Hey, I think we have a title for the pod. Andrew shits on the spring season, season. and more takes. Um, Brent, Brent, any real quickly because I think we've talked enough about Grizz football, honestly. But um, any anything you've learned or we've heard from whatever their fall camp was that we didn't get to see? No, Uh, I mean, right? They they had a scrimmage that again, no one. No one could go to, and um, I wish they would have televised it. The cats televised theirs a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've talked about this before, right? You know, yeah, cats televised their scrimmage, and we had a press release of a little puff piece article on gogrizz.com the next day. I mean, it, it, the most common question I'm getting from people is why is Chris Brown taking so many snaps? Which leads me to believe that when Eric Tabor is able to take pictures of practice. It's when Chris Brown is uh, running. <laughs> I mean, because it's like that's all anybody knows. <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough to say. I mean, you know, what the final scrimmage ended 7-0. So, of course, mm-hmm. the defense did great um, for whatever that means. But I, I, I just don't. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I've not heard much out of it or much about it. No. How's Egris handling this in the in this cone of silence? God, I haven't been on Egris in months. <laughs> you know, it, it, I I check in every now and then, but it's just been, of course, because we've had the few verbal commits roll in, and of course, Egris, if you didn't know, is it has a handful of coronavirus experts on it. So we've <laughs> had we've had some. Uh, there's been some other discussions, but I mean, really, it, it's been like like most of the FCS sports world. It's been pretty damn quiet. You know, that's, that's, you know, that, that was kind of the other thing, Mike, that you kind of hinted to as well. I mean, um, yeah, we've got a six game schedule now or, you know, but will the remaining 12 teams in the big sky make it to the spring, you know, will California schools pull out? Cause that's one of our games and, uh, or things like that too. There's just so much unknown. I don't know. It, it, it's going to be weird. I, I'd love to be able to see football if we could do it, but I just, there seems to be a lot more questions than, than answers. Oh yeah. Don't be wrong. I'll, I'll enjoy it. It's fun, but who knows? Hoops is going to be interesting too. I saw Weber state today announced that they're not going to have any fans, at least through the end of the year for the safety of everybody. So their games are going to be in empty arenas. And part of me wonders if we're not going to see Montana follow suit. Actually, so uh, again, from my inside sources that I pay for, um, uh, <laughs> the plan is 400 to 500 fans, but nobody can sit in the lower level. So, so we can give COVID to each other, but not the players and the staff. Bingo. Uh, and the, uh, I, I think we'll be seeing announcements soon, but the men's team not, is booking a non-conference schedule that is all road games, and it's all like – ACC, Pac-12, like, just go get your ass kicked left and right. But 
pay some bills. So yep. honest to God, that's the right thing to do this year. Like I hate to say it, but that's the right thing to do. Yep. Yep. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it, it's tough to say. Where it's we'll just be. unfortunate because I think they're going to be really fun to watch this year. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, we'll get all those on Pluto nice and easy though. So yeah. <laughs> there we go. The, the next time Pluto works, at least for me, will be the first time. <laughs> That's been the funny thing about Pluto just in general, because it, apparently it's up to the home school to determine how much of their resources they want to put into it. So was it that, was it the Portland state game last year where it like was like chop, like it was like, you're watching it on a dial up connection. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, you watch a Grizz, like a Grizz home game and it's great. Um, yeah. There's like three or four schools that do a good job and then seven or eight that don't. So, yeah. Who knows? I will tell you that I have the Pluto app on my Apple TVs and there's lots of great stuff on there. Um, you can go find, you know, channels dedicated to like 80s horror movies. It was great during Halloween if you wanted to watch the classics. Ooh. Um, there is an now Unsolved you're talking my language. Mysteries channel that just has Unsolved Mysteries 24 hours a day, seven days a week on a loop. Um, cold Case Files, probably lots of other things. I'm, I'm saying, you know, Pluto's got some stuff there for people who like, you know, TV of a certain vintage. So this is like ESPN the Ocho, but in real life for, <laughs> for yep, obscure TV series. Yep, whatever you're watching will just randomly stop, not at a normal point, and they'll do their commercials. And then it usually picks back up where it was. Um, but who knows? I find it equally interesting that you are perusing the pluto app not during a sports time oh man <laughs> you, you just you're just like hey uh i had a nice dinner maybe we'll have a bottle of wine Let, <laughs> what's on the pluto app Let's andrew, check the pluto real quick. andrew <laughs> he cold case files with that that guy who narrates them can't be found everywhere so when you find where they are you watch them that's that's fair enough I think they're on Netflix, though. <laughs> I got nothing. Um, any any NFL observations you want to share with us as long as we've got you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit off air, but uh, NFL is interesting in terms of – I thought they would have a, a much better handle on the pandemic – um, at least from preventing people from getting it. Um, that proved wrong. Like the, they, they're having some issues. Um, the reason I thought that is the NFL players typically treat this as a job, right? It's a, you wake up, you're at, you're there from eight to, you know, seven, basically you're there at the facility the entire time. You don't really hang out with players at bars. Like you go home to your wife and kids. Like it, it's, it's more like that. There's some guys who go out, but I thought they'd get a handle on it. Uh, they haven't really, but they, they did some changes this year that actually helped um, that I hope stay permanent uh, for roster management. So like this year, they before the pandemic, they upped the practice squad uh, amount, and then they, they upped the amount of people that could be on the active roster from 53 to 55. And then they said, hey, two people on the practice squad 
can be veterans of any amount of credited seasons. That used to be not the case. You, you could only could have two years of credited seasons or two years in the league uh, and be on the practice squad. So they changed that. And then the pandemic hits. So then they, they increase those practice squads to 16 players, uh, six of which can be veterans. So now you're seeing all sorts of veterans go on practice squads that you'd be like, how, why is George Icola on the practice squad? Or, or, you know, why is Des Bryant on a practice squad? Uh, new rules allow that. So it's been beneficial and I hope it sticks around because uh, it allows guys that would have their career end basically mm-hmm. still be able to be on the team. And those guys that are on the practice squad, you can activate them like up to three times a year, uh, uh, which is valuable and it makes yeah. it kind of like an IR. So like for, for, for now with COVID it's, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense and I hope they keep it because like football is a, a dangerous game yep. and more of these veterans should be getting deals like this. Well, it makes sense on so many reasons and not the least of which is, you know, I mean, the NFL is by clear the, the leader in professional sports leagues but there are some things that other leagues do that the NFL doesn't. And like minor league baseballs want, you know, mm-hmm. it's like if somebody gets hurt on a major league baseball team, they dip into their farm system and they grab someone. And of course you're not going to have a, the same thing in football, but this ability to call a guy up to fill in a spot for a game. I mean, it's a win-win. Yeah. And then you don't have to put them through waivers and, you know, letting some of these guys stick around um, and, and having legit guys in the practice squad. I mean, I mean, it makes too much sense, which makes me think they'll get rid of it. Um, (laughs) But the other thing that that makes sense that they're doing, you mentioned the NFL being a dangerous game, and it's like their injured reserve policy prior to this year has been stupid. And I guess it's been a little bit better the last couple of years where it's like you could get, you could designate one guy for return or something like that or two or whatever. Now two, yeah. But it's like, but now they actually have an injured list of three games, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, in a sport where they are trying to convince people that they care about their players' safety, that you think they would make it easier for teams to not force guys to play through injuries because they have to either cut them or they can't, you know, they can't replace yeah. them. Yeah. I, I think, I honestly think that this will stick. The reason why is they expanded the season and the amount of playoff teams. Um, so I, I think they're going to see like, Hey, we have more guys, we have more healthy teams. Uh, we can move guys around and we're entering the playoffs as a more healthy squad where before, like, say you get hurt in week three, they put you on the IR, your season's done. You can't be pulled back off. And you're, we're, you're fine by 11 and could contribute. Right. We're now like Christian McCaffrey was, yep. Yeah, put on the IR three, four games, high ankle sprain, comes back, plays well. He might get put back on again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think it allows for more flexibility. And to tell you the truth, at, at any time, the the roster for the the main team is still 55. So I think what people don't understand, and I have to explain to, to players when I'm recruiting them uh, and to people all the time, your contract in the NFL is subject to you being on the 55 man roster that week. It's like at 5 PM Eastern on a Tuesday that week, you do not get paid a full salary unless you are on the roster at that point in time. So if you are 
off and on the practice squad, right? They're only out the practice squad money. And then the weeks that person is on the roster, it's not like they're paying an extra 16 guys full salary because they're not, they're paying them practice squad wages. They're playing 55 players, their full roster throughout the year, their full salary. And so it's not as much of a burden on the owners financially as maybe some people think it is. Mm -hmm. Um, If these guys like Des Bryant was active one game, he's going to get one game check. If he gets put back on the practice squad, he's making, I forget what the, I think it's like 1200 a week or something like not more than that 12,000 a week um, uh, for practice squad wages, but it's not, you know, whatever their full salary is divided by 17 games. Hmm. I think it'll be interesting. And, and long was that too much math for the no. Grizz fan pod? I think I might've just lost a few people. Let's talk about something. No. I, <laughs> well, I actually do have a question about that. So if I'm injured and I'm on the injured list, do I get my, my full paycheck? You get your down salary if you're in the IR. You get your split salary, unless you negotiated it out. Well, what's my split salary? It depends on what you negotiated or the league minimums. So really? there's a table in there that has veteran minimum salaries and say your up salaries 600 grand a year. Your down down salary is 300. If you're on the team, right, and you're on the IR, you get that 117th of 300 every week. Okay. However, if you're activated from the IR, you get the up salary. You can negotiate that out. You can say, hey, no split salary in this contract. Um, so it kind of depends. But also important to remember, these players don't get paid except for every week of the regular season. There's no, you get your playoff bonus check, but once the, the season's over, you don't get paid. You get your per day per diem yep. and that's it until, and you get all the way up until training camp. And then you get training camp pay, which is like $500 a day, you know, which is another thing of, I don't know why any, I hope this sticks too. I don't know why any veteran starter would ever play a preseason game ever. Hmm. It makes no sense to do it if you're a player. You're out 500 bucks if you don't play. You don't get a game check for that. Seriously. Meanwhile, the owners are paying or charging full cost for you to go in the stadium for those games. Man, the owners, like, I don't know how anybody can ever take the side of NFL ownership. I mean, <laughs> just, like, the fact that the players are risking their bodies playing a yeah. violent game and they don't even get their full paycheck if they get hurt in the violent yeah. game. I mean, well, we can bring this back to Brent because I, I like to do this with Wisconsin and stuff. Uh, remember when Jordy Nelson uh, got yeah. hurt in the preseason game and was out for the year yeah, when he yeah. was in his prime? Why was he playing? He should have never been in there. Oh, no. Just no. tell your team, hey, find me for conduct detrimental. Like, give me the max fine. I don't care. I'll practice, but I'm not going to play in this game. It, it, and you see this every year, right? There's always like a guy or two, not this year because we didn't have a preseason, but um, yeah. You, you, but, I mean, but has the game, has the game suffered this year? Do you think like, Hey, no. I goddamn, I really missed those, those weeks. Of <laughs> no, preseason. not at all. No. Like week one was really bad because we didn't have preseason The the veterans, what those preseason games should be used for are for the players trying to make the team. And they should not be used for uh, veterans at all. Yep. That, that's yep. my policy. 
And, and an interesting spinoff on that was so our QB club calls that we've had this fall, which have of course not been game related. Bobby's been bringing guests, and the first week uh, he had Tim on, uh, Tim Huck, and uh, so he was talking about. Of course, people brought up Dante Olson because at the time Dante, I think, was still practice squad with Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and and Tim said the same thing because people there was a question that came up about how's Dante doing, how's he looking. And he said, you know, without a preseason, like preseasons are made for guys like him. And now mm-hmm. I think if my memory serves correct, I think Dante is currently not even on a practice squad right now. I think Philadelphia cut him off the practice squad. I could he's, be wrong. Yeah, he's probably on their short list of guys to bring back and forth. Um, yeah. They probably told him to stay ready. I don't know. Um, yeah. I represent Dante. But uh, yeah, I think that that's what they typically do in guys like his situation. But guys like him should be the ones they should expand their rosters to 150 players and just let those guys. Cause what, what are you out? You're out the, the training camp pay for a yeah. bunch of rookies. You're not out game checks. So just get as many players as you want in there mm-hmm. and then see who's good enough to play. And like these veterans, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to have a, have a preseason. Like it, no starter in the NFL needs a preseason. They need practice reps and they, they need, controlled environment like that and they'll be ready week one college football doesn't have it you know it, it makes no sense to have it for veterans i got you i'm with you yeah hopefully i mean you talk about the practice squad expansion for the nfl hopefully probably not right but hopefully no more preseason that'd be awesome or take it down to two or well now they just there's a new cba right they came up right before COVID, or did they yeah they can shorten it i believe to two games they can also expand the regular season if they want. They haven't done it yet. Yeah, take it up um, to 18 games or something. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to – we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think there's some good ideas, you know, some bad ideas. But I, I, hopefully – I'm hopeful the good ideas went out. You know, I think we saw it in baseball this year, uh, seven-inning doubleheaders and uh, stuff like that. I think – a good idea from that is like, Hey, you got to face three batters if you come in as a pitcher so that we keep speed the game up and that will probably stick, but seven inning double hitter headers. I don't think will, yeah. or the, 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 the man on second at the start of the, of yeah. the extra innings, like this is beer league softball. <laughs> uh, <laughs> every beer league uh, uh, league I play in, uh, we have that rule. And yeah. you start with one strike and uh, one ball and, like stop that this is professional sports i have an alternate home plate too you have the separate home plates uh no no but mm. some of my leagues have like a mat behind the the plate and then no matter if the ball like hits that mat it's a strike which is a oh. lot of fun. yeah oh interesting fascinating um, things get wild down here in colorado you guys just <laughs> <laughs> soft beer league softball rules and Stuff like that. This is an entertaining pod. I think people We've are going to be really happy. Things. I think people are going to be happy about this. They're going to know all about uh, Denver softball. You know what? I think they're going to be entertained, which is really all you can hope for on a free fucking pod. So, or they're going to be hiding under their their beds because I scared the shit out of them. That's going to be bad. <laughs> oh boy! So, uh, all right, Andrew. So we're talking sports, and we're going to stay in your wheelhouse here. Um, Who's going to win the Masters, and why is it not Bryson DeChambeau? Oh, okay. This is good. We're in Masters week. Okay. 
Um, if you guys manage to listen to an hour and a half of the Grizz Fan Pod, <laughs> and you're listening now, finally, follow me at Ashmetacular on Twitter. Okay, this has been a tradition of mine for the last, I think, 11 years. I live tweet the Masters every Thursday and Friday. Would you say off. it's a tradition unlike any other? Yeah, unlike any other. And I start with hello, friends. And it is amazing. <laughs> so this all started because I was in law school and I was following along. And uh, Norm McDonald was live tweeting the Masters. And he was hilarious. And I was thinking, oh, I can kind of do the same thing. He's not there. I'm not there. Um, and then people who followed me thought it was kind of funny. And then it just started building from there. And then now every year I do it. Uh, I, I work from home before the, the uh, pandemic. Uh, I block off that time. Um, I do it just for those two days because by, by the weekend it gets, uh, you guys can probably watch it, right? You're probably free. You're not at work. Um, two, it's exhausting. Like it is uh, so many tweets in a day and I go over everything from what the player is wearing to every shot that I can see. I have like three monitors going by Friday evening. I am just done and I just don't want to do it that much anymore, but follow me. I'll start this week. Um, if you want masters updates, I'm there for you. Uh, masters is a little bit of an interesting beast. Okay. It's very hilly. Um, it's the elevation gained and, and change is unlike most courses out there. It's usually the most in a given year. Um, so you've got to be able to hit a bunch of different shots from the ball below your feet, the ball above your feet. Um, but there's not much of a punishment if you go off the fairway. Okay. You just can't go left on a bunch of particular holes. Okay. You can't go left on two Can't go left on what 11, like 15, whatever. You just can't go left apparently. But if you hit it long into the pine straw, you're usually fine. So guys, this year, DJ, uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, uh, and DCM Bro, um, I think are the odds on favorite uh, just because they have been playing really well. And I don't know the last time you guys played golf, but it's a lot easier hitting your approach shot from 100 yards than it is 200 yards. Yeah. And those guys drive it farther than anyone on the on the tour and they don't have to be incredibly accurate they just have to have good approach shots uh good putting they can miss off the tee just not crazy um if phil mickelson has won this like three times you do not have to be accurate off the tee um phil mickelson's wide world of open golf is in a running joke online and he hits it everywhere and he was fine so i think those guys are, are who i'm picking Mm. Um, both are favorites at the moment, but there's other guys that could possibly compete. Um, you know, can't count out Spieth, can't count out uh, Rory, who played well this year uh, at times. Um, you know, guys who've won there before, always like Tiger and Bubba Watson yeah. uh, are guys to take a look for. But I just love it. I, I, there's something about Augusta that I love that I love to, to do this each year. It's like one of the highlights of my year. I saw a few pictures of it. It's that's going to be one kind of interesting thing because, of course, usually the Masters is in late April, right? April, yeah, and uh, early April, and and so I mean, it looks like I mean it's it's fall there, so the trees are a lot thinner and uh, the course looks a lot more open than it normally does. So yeah, yeah, it, it'll be interesting, and I <clears throat> I love Tiger Woods. It's one of the reasons uh, I started doing this, 
but for a guy that hasn't really been playing much and playing well, uh, the, the course is punishing from in terms of approach shots. Like if you do not hit it where you need to, it's going to roll off the green uh, usually into water. So uh, it, it, it's very difficult if you have a bad back and you can't place it well, like I'm amazed he won last year. So you kind of got to be at the top of your game. But as I said, driving accuracy is, is not, as long as it's not terrible, you should be fine. Um, you just, you just can't hit it way out. Otherwise, you know, you're in that, the deep stuff and you're, you're gonna have a hard time salvaging par. I mean, I, I've watched, I've done this, like, what did I say? The last 11 years, I've watched a shit ton of masters golf. Um, I'm no expert, but I, I kind of know the course well enough to, uh, to have an opinion. <laughs> well, and you know, uh, didn't I see, who was it? Uh, someone withdrew today, didn't they? Um, Sergio. Sergio, yeah, oh, yeah. About hitting it into the water. Oh God, Sergio hit six shots okay. into the water and take a thirteen. It's just, it's unfortunate. I hope you can edit it, but I fucking hate Sergio with so much of a passion. Um, like that, it's and it's not even just like the racist thing, you know, telling Tiger Woods that he would serve cornbread or something at the ceremony. Like, what a dick. Um, like his whole persona and taking so long to hit the damn ball and thinking that he's the god's gift to, to golf anytime he pulls a tin cup like that and hits it into the drink eight times in a row yeah. i'm a happy guy and he just got the rona so he's not there uh which is disappointing that's too so bad I, yeah. I love to root against him on a by event basis <laughs> and he's out i mean he didn't even make the cut last year which was great yeah that's true yeah he, he won it what like four or five years ago but yeah yeah yeah, it's bad. It's a travesty on golf. Him and uh, Adam Scott winning with that cheating long putter. <laughs> putter what a yeah. loser! <laughs> You're the granny putter, you uh, fucking cheater. I just think of Happy Gilmore. <laughs> um, Brent, uh, do you want to wrap up with a few of the questions from the Twitter, uh, the Twitter uh, faithful? Yeah, uh, you know, we had uh, we had only one question on Egris from CDA Grizz, and it basically was, uh, Brent, who do you think you are? Mike, what gives you the right? And Luke, how dare you? I think they're just upset that, um, uh, you know, there's been not a lot of GFP content out there. So I thought maybe I've decided that maybe CDA is our Twitter troll. Oh, you know. Hmm. That's no, sad. he's too he's smarter than that. Yeah. Okay. I have uh, one let's when see. you're done, by the way, Brent. So just <laughs> you just hang on there. Because usually I write them in on Twitter and you guys say, respond. So I have one for you. <laughs> All right. I've got Twitter up. So um <laughs> oh man, some of these are real questions. We might blow over them. Brian Morso wants to know who's the best football candidate to benefit from the protocol's weird spring season and finish surprisingly high in conference only to torpedo back to earth in a normal fall season. How many transfers does Northern Colorado have? I was going to say Northern Colorado seems like the most likely to have a small sample size and get lucky. How's that? Yeah. Or, I mean, yeah, probably so. I don't know enough about the other teams. What about Idaho state? I didn't their quarterback leave though. Yeah. I mean, we talk about Cal Poly. It's a good coaching system. They get another 
to get another, you know, six months under their belt to put the team together. But I just, you got a bunch of option QBs and you're trying to put in a, a, a normal offense. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's tough to say. Fair enough. Um, MD Grizz fan wanted to know, um, first of all, he challenged us to be under an hour, which sorry. Um, but then he said, any discussion on young up and coming Grizz stars the coaches are excited about of young guys who are going to make a name for themselves based on scrimmages or other knowledge. Like we just talked about, unfortunately, we know nothing about the younger guys right now because usually, you know, either spring or fall, we'd be able to watch some practices and see some guys and, you know, we'd, we'd have a feel, but we, we don't know. Yeah, we really don't. Yeah, no clue. I'm still going to bank on Chris Brown being the starting quarterback, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. <laughs> um. Oh, this is a question for both of you, I think. Luke Rounds wants to know, some people think that Disney has gone too dark with the child in the last episode of The Mandalorian. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'll let you take it first, Brent. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny. So uh, we've been, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the second episode of season two of The Mandalorian, the child, not Baby Yoda, but everyone calls him Baby Yoda, um, because he is of the race that Yoda is, eats a bunch of eggs of a frog thing that it's like the last of her kind. And it's and it's like it's comedy, like it's funny, like he keeps he's like a child that like you know you tell him not to eat the candy and he just eats these eggs. Um, so I guess that was kind of the thing. I mean, it was also like I watch it with my girls and my youngest, like because there's big, ugly, fucking scary spiders that uh, tie into the Star Wars Rebels cartoon. And uh, it was kind of like a, turned into like a little bit of a horror show for a little bit. Like, not like scary, scary, but for like an eight-year-old kid in my house, she was, so it was a darker episode, but I liked it quite a bit. I thought Are you was- telling me that Baby Yoda ate the end of a species? Well, he, he <laughs> diminished it. He diminished yes. it. Not all of them. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it was definitely weird. <clears throat> like we're getting back into like Star Wars weird stuff. It was kind of like in Empire when they fly into that giant worm in the asteroid and they're inside its stomach and they start shooting things off of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that thing comes on the glass. It was kind of like a giant version of that thing. Yeah. It was like a Marnak or whatever it was called. Minox. Yeah. yeah. Minox. Yeah. So anyway, it was like that. It was weird. Kind of in a good way. Um, it wasn't as good as the last episode, which was, I uh, thought that was awesome. The giant sandworm. And yeah, that one was fun. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of, yeah. It's uh, Mandalorian's been fun. I think uh, if anyone has watched the uh, Rebels and the Clone Wars cartoons. The the writer, the main creator, his name is Dave Filoni, who actually was one of the X-Wing pilots in mm-hmm. the second episode there. He always has this tendency to have these kind of fun filler episodes that really mm-hmm. don't do anything to the story. And this one was definitely that. Like, there was no purpose to it, except Baby Yoda almost put a species extinct. Yeah, it was kind of also kind of weird. Did you not find weird that the frog lady ventures off in the middle of the night and then just goes for a bath in a hot springs with all of her eggs? What was that? What was I don't she know. Create that bath? 
Or was there just a hot spring in the middle of this asteroid and then she wanted to let her eggs just like, <laughs> it was strange. It made no sense, but it was fun. And I honestly uh, wish that uh, Baby Yoda ate more of them. <laughs> we've, seen, we've seen Baby Yoda eat a frog and now eggs of, a, of some... Last of her kind. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So it got a little dark, but it was, it was, it was in a, it was a good plane of comedy. Okay, well, you guys have done this answer justice, but my biggest takeaway is Baby Yoda eating a species. Um, all right, Nathan wants to know, oh, son of a bitch. I'm going to point out that I have not brought politics or controversial topics into this pod. Others have. <clears throat> is the spring season like voter fraud? Lots of talking about it, but inevitably it doesn't happen. Could the Grizz second string beat some of the automatic qualifiers in the spring playoff? So the second question is good. First question, no comment from the Grizz fan pod. <laughs> Look, if we go 6-0, and we're stopping the count. We are the best team in the country. We've won the national title, okay? That's all I got. Oh, God. I put this on Twitter today, but I'm just amazed at the foresight of the Democrats. No! Yeah, no, 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 I am. Because they, they rigged all of the election except for all of those Senate seats they needed to win. Like, just to throw them off the scent. You know, that's smart. <laughs> Come on, what are we doing here? <laughs> oh my God. The Grizz fan pod has no comment. Um, Follow me at H. Metacular for more comment. <laughs> Um, the second one, I think we kind of touched on, but yeah. So yeah, when they expanded the playoffs, they gave all these other conferences automatic bids. And when you have 24 teams, it doesn't matter. But when you have 16 and you're giving most of them automatic bids, it kind of sucks. So yeah. Yeah. yes, I do think the Grizz second string could, could beat some of these schools, but yeah. it is what it is. They might have the opportunity. Well, yeah, good point. All right. Uh, Kyle Dyrud wants to know, in memory of Alex Trebek, who would perform the best on Jeopardy among the three of you? Um, among the regular hosts, it's Luke. Luke would absolutely perform yeah. the best on Jeopardy. He has all these like random things that he brings up. Absolutely. Yeah, even... like there'd be some topic of like 18th century French literature or something like that. And like Luke would just randomly be like, oh, I've read about this. Who the fuck are you? I'm, I'm usually really good at regular jeopardy and then as it gets harder you know double jeopardy less good and then i am just the screaming shits at final jeopardy so i probably <laughs> wouldn't i'd probably have a decent amount and i lose it all at the end i will say that um since alex trebek passed away yesterday and you've seen tributes coming out online it's been kind of fun to see some of the clips of some of the sports trivia where he had this way of like if people didn't know the answer, got it wrong, like dryly kind of saying like, you guys are idiots. And yeah. like he had this NFL category that was like, they got them all wrong. And it's just great. It's a great clip. I think, I've, and also the SNL uh, Jeopardy spoofs, uh, burning through those. They're so great. Yeah. Um, all right. Last one. Silvertip Nation says, if you had to designate a Halloween candy to every Big Sky football team, who would be which candy and why? Boy, that sounds like a lot of work. Okay. Who's Milky Way? 
Northern Colorado? No, they're like Three Musketeers. Milky Way is trash. Northern Colorado is Three Musketeers. So is Southern Utah. Let's just combine them. (laughs) I mean, Uh, I I think the better question is which teams are the best candy bars and what they are, okay? I mean, you really have Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, mm -hmm. Twix, right? You guys like Twix? Yeah. And then what would be number three? Baby Ruth. It would be Baby Ruth. No, Snickers. See? Oh, see, now we have a real debate. No, no, no. Get the fuck out of here with your Snickers. You're so weird. (laughs) Like, so we we had a socially distanced Halloween where we had the candy spread out on the table so the kids weren't putting their hands into a bucket. And the Snickers were the last thing on the table. And the options were everything, you know, all the the usual go-tos. Okay, but is Snickers worse than just a plain Hershey bar? I think the plain Hershey no. bar is Northern Arizona. You know, it's like you, you bite into that thing thinking it's going to be more satisfying than it actually is. It's just a mouthful of chocolate. There's nothing in there. It's weird. I got in my Halloween house um, last year, I got three giant size candy bars, Kit Kats, Reese's peanut butter cups, and plain Hershey bars, and no kids wanted the Hershey bars. No, kidding. none of them. I was like, I, you know what? I don't blame you. I messed up here. Yeah, I mean the Hershey bars. There's just nothing. You know, it's just chocolate. You know, you're not adding like nougat or peanut butter or caramel or anything like that. That's fair. So I'd say the top three teams are uh, a Reese's peanut butter cup, and uh, maybe a Twix, depending on your feelings on Twix, and then uh, definitely not Baby Ruth. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is terrible. Where would you put yeah. Butterfinger? Okay, I like the idea of a Butterfinger. I don't like the practice of a Butterfinger. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. It, it makes sense once you bite it and it is caked into your molars. Yeah. yeah. And you can't get it out. And you're so, like, man, this is a bad decision. Would that be Idaho State in the uh, Rob <laughs> Fennessy era? <laughs> that might be it. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> they got enough former Grizz that you're like, I like this. Like, it's just not quite there yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, in practice, Fen had some good idea- ideas, or in theory, he had some good ideas. In practice, man, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Fen, if you're listening to this. If you're listening to this two hours in, I commend you. Really, I commend you really one yeah, for listening to me for this long, which he does not want to do. <laughs> and two, I just want to tell you when you would throw your script uh, in the air as hard as you could, and it would just float down like a feather, you look like a ninny. You really did. <laughs> just wanted to tell you that after all these years. Now I've told oh, yeah. you. Okay. We'll so what is that. Weber State? What's Weber State? Can't have chocolate in it because there's caffeine in chocolate. Oh, that's true. They gotta be like some Skittles or an, a now and later, now or later. Ooh. That's what it is? Uh-huh. Who who's just the generally? You know, you get like you go to Co- you go to Costco and you've got the bag that's got like the name brand candy bars, and then you got the bag that's got the bazooka gum and the sweet tarts and the bag who, no one who, wants. <laughs> the bag no one wants. The one, yeah. Like, I don't know if you want to like grab each of, but like, 
Is that just like you're just dumping out like is that like Sac State and Portland State? Yes. Yep. Yep. Portland I State's think that's maybe a fair... maybe a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> <laughs> and Sac State, I don't know. I think that's maybe a sweet tart. <laughs> so is Cal Poly Almond Joy then? Mm. That's a good question. Okay. I, I enjoy an almond joy. They're good. Well, I don't I don't hate Cal Poly. That's a good point. That's a good point. They're, you know, it's kind of there. It's like you, you don't know? think of them, but it's like surprisingly better sometimes. Yeah. It's like you don't go buy an almond joy, but sometimes when you get it, you're like, oh, all right. You're like, that's satisfying. <laughs> Amazingly, I wasn't I wasn't planning on having this happen to me, but I enjoyed that. So that's why Bo Baldwin went there. Okay. Actually, the same way I feel about watching Wisconsin. So, what is <laughs> what is Eastern Washington then? Oh, Eastern like, Washington is the crazy person that gives you the candy apples that has the razor blades sunk in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> I was gonna say they have to be something that is like tastes good at first, <laughs> and then. The aftertaste is just so horrible that you never want to taste it again. <laughs> well, it's the caramel apple suckers or bit of honey. One of the uh, two. Uh, oof. Or the uh, strawberry candies that everyone's great grandma has. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Red, mm. too. So I believe that leaves us with the cats. Mm. I Well, I, my mom taught me, you can't say anything nice. Um, Compare them to, I don't know, peeps, because they are soft and awful. <laughs> Sorry, just when I played, uh, they're good now. Say, They've got to the get. are going to point out that they won the last now. four yeah. pretty convincingly. Look, you, you guys sucked when I played, but now you guys got a good team, and you guys should be proud of your good team. So maybe you're like chocolate covered peeps. But at the end of the day, you're still a peep. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Well, this is a good spot to end on, I think. It's a high note. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I got one for you guys. I wrote it down. All right. All right. Have you guys got into – I always ask a movie question. That's right. Have you guys got into movie fan theories yet and your favorite one? Oh, man. Okay, I've got, I've got a couple. You may have covered these. Okay. You may have covered these on the pod before. Okay. There's a couple that I want to bring out to you. I'm all about it. Let's go. All right. Uh, Kevin McAllister from Home Alone ended up being Jigsaw from the Saw movies. That's <laughs> okay. It's okay. We could get into each of these. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, Grease uh, was actually all the imagination of Sandy as she was dying in the beginning of the movie. She mentions in the beginning that she almost drowned and Johnny Travolta saves her. And then all of a sudden there's this whimsical movie where everyone's singing songs in the middle of high school, even though they look 30 years old. And at the end of the movie, they drive off in a car into heaven. So the thought is she died at the beginning of the movie. And those are her last thoughts going through her head before she drowns. Okay. Oh that's, that's, that's number two. Okay. okay. Number three. All right. Uh, I'll give you four and you get to choose me. Tell, tell me what your favorite is. Uh, uh, three. Uh, Jack from Titanic actually survived and he came became the great Gatsby. 
and that's a sequel to Titanic. Hmm. Brent's got a face. Like, I buy it. Wait a second. I okay. buy it. My favorite one that I've heard recently. Okay, I don't want to influence you on what your favorite one should be, but the John Wick movies are all simulators of the Matrix. Ooh, I like that one. The nothing in John Wick happened. It's all in the Matrix, and they're all training programs that Neo is doing. Lawrence Fishburne's in the movie. Okay, he's a, a major character. Keanu Reeves, nothing makes it. By, by the way, if you just murdered about 800 people in the streets of New York City, don't you think someone would stop you? Like, don't you think a cop would be like, wait a second, there's a lot of gunfire. <laughs> None of that makes sense, right? They have like a coin-based currency. It's just the whole thing of that association is really weird. Hmm. And that's the theory. So out of those four, what's your guys' favorite? Uh, or most plausible? I, I mean, the, John Wick plausible and... to me is, is Kevin McAllister growing up to be a, <laughs> a psycho killer. I mean, yeah, you know, a penchant for booby traps. Yep. The basement of his house looks an awful lot like the Saw movie setups. That <laughs> furnace bouncing up and down. Yep. <laughs> Probably smashed someone's head in at some point when he was in high school or something and he becomes <laughs> Jigsaw. I think that's the winner for me. Although I will say that the Titanic one is interesting too. Yeah. See, I think Jack lived because Rose, <clears throat> her ass wouldn't get off the, the door. Door. And I think Jack decided to get out there, swim a little bit, do a little cardio, stayed alive, and then ends up, uh, what is it, West Egg and becomes uh, the Great Gatsby. There you go. Those are fascinating. I was trying to research, but I can't find it because I thought I read something like there was some, wasn't there some sort of, someone was trying to tie in at least season one and three of True Detective being in like some sort of like Marvel or DC universe or something crazy like that. I thought I, I was trying to find something on it quickly because I thought I read something about that, but now for the life of me, I can't seem to find it. It wouldn't surprise me because directors do that a lot or like creators. I think that's uh, Palazzo or whatever his mm -hmm. name is yeah uh the like directors like quentin tarantino all of his movies are in the same universe yeah so like the kill bill and uh is in the same universe as once upon a time in hollywood and inglorious bastards and everyone's kind of related yeah vic vega is like related in uh, reservoir dogs to uh the guy who slices the guy's ear off right so it wouldn't surprise me that um a person who creates a series would would do that so yeah for a true detective it's it, probably true yeah i was trying to find it but i can't yeah the the one i came up with myself it's not really a fan theory but since we're in the holiday season about is that every year i watch the greatest horror movie of all time love actually <laughs> and <laughs> it is a lot of fun if you pretend that every single character in Love Actually is from a sequel of a show that you already know, okay? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> Rick Grimes from Walking Dead gets out of the zombies, ends up in Europe, falls for uh, Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley is there because, obviously, uh, she 
had a bad relationship with Orlando Bloom and the Pirates and then ended up in, in England, you know? Hugh Grant had that stripper problem. Oh, that's real life. And it was a prostitute. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just keep on combining it and then you'll get to this crazy point where you're like, this is actually kind of fun. This love actually, Liam Neeson's is in that movie after he gets his wife and kids back, but they die. And so then he has a new wife and kid. And so he's got to protect them. <laughs> You I may have lost a lot of people in the Grizz fan pod, but watch Love Actually this holiday season and you think about all the people in that movie and you'll be surprised. All right. There Boy, there go. are so many places you can go if you start digging down the rabbit hole of these theories. Yeah, Bill Bill Nice. He's the, the guy, he's uh, Mac, Freddie Mac, whatever his name is. The, <laughs> I feel it in my fingers, I feel it in my toes guy. <laughs> yeah, let's do any of his movies. Like, uh, what's the one with the the vampires and the and the wolves? Uh, that underworld, twilight, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, underworld, yeah. Underworld. I was like, I was, what are yeah, you talking to, about? He was the he was the head vampire. I've seen way too many movies, guys. I think that's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why every week I ask a a movie question. <laughs> there are some good ones though. Like Willy Wonka's a serial killer. Oh, that's, the that's a good one. Is about faking the moon landing. I mean, yeah. there's some good ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, what's I think the Willy... shining one. The... Yeah, so they did a whole documentary on this, which is like Room Three Two Three Seven. Yeah, uh, they they changed the this or the the room the real room in Estes Park is actually like two one seven. They changed it to two three seven because that's the distance between the Earth and the Moon. Um, oh. He's wearing an Apollo uh, uh, sweater. Uh, the two girls represent the Dem- Gemini mission. The two twins. Oh um, my god! <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's a good one. But uh, there's also stuff like it represents the United States and their uh, destruction of Indian people is another one. And that that film Room Two Three Seven digs into all of them which is really kind of interesting. At the end of the day, I think it's just a scary movie. With a weird scene where like a, a, a pig is like, you know, giving fellatio to a guy uh, or the guy wearing a mask. That was weird. Brave. Yeah. yeah, it was strange. Um, last one I'm going to touch on. The Fight Club theory is that... Uh, the two guys are just Calvin and Hobbes growing up. <laughs> so there you go. Oh my God, that's perfect. Oh, this this can bring me to the next one. Speaking of Fight Club, uh, if any video game fans out there, okay, uh, Wario of the Mario franchise is Tyler Durden, okay? It's just Mario, but his psychotic self. Huh. <laughs> him and waluigi too oh my god <laughs> yeah so if for the six of you who might be listening to the end here yeah tweet at us what your favorite um <laughs> movie conspiracy theory is um i'll be real curious to hear what people have to say yeah, <laughs> yeah. movies yeah. or video games and i will get to you because i have strong feelings <laughs> awesome <laughs> well andrew thank you uh for 
you know, having the time to give us two hours for uh, a nice co-host run here on the pod. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm just trying to audition for a job. Times are tough. And <laughs> if there's any outlet for me to go into how much football doesn't make sense and fan theories of movies, then I think I just nailed my audition. <laughs> Well, Twitter will let us know. Don't worry. <laughs> sure they will. <laughs> Brent, anything else from you? You know, only other thing I was going to add, just a little plug, gogrizz.com. You can sign up for the Grizz auction. So, Andrew, we mentioned it earlier in the evening. Um, next, it would have been a week from this coming Saturday. It would be Grizz Cat and it would be in Missoula. And the Grizzly Scholarship Association always hosts an auction when it's in Missoula. And that usually aims to raise between seventy-five to one hundred thousand dollars for student athletes. Of course, it's all online this year. Gogers.com. You can find some info there. Just want to make that plug, just because every buck helps, especially for the University of Montana. Good, so, good, yeah. good call. We'll Go tweet Grizz. out the information a couple times too. Yeah. All right. If we know you, we'll talk to you soon. If not, you can catch us the next time we record. God knows when that'll be. Also, if you're listening by now, um, we're releasing the episodes on the Montana Mint uh, Sports Channel as well as our new Grizz Fan Pod channel. Um, you can find that wherever you download your podcasts. All right. That's all I got. Go Grizz. Right on. <laughs>